0: The views in this podcast are the participants' own and are not the views of their respective companies. Welcome to Aerox The Legacy Life, the podcast asking what does a career in runoff insurance or reinsurance actually look like? I'm your host, Katie Reynolds, and today we're joined by Marcus Doran, Senior Director of Commutations and Reinsurance Finance at AIG. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marcus. A lot of our listeners might be more uh, risk-focused or uh, maybe even claims-focused. Could you just explain what commutations is and then what reinsurance finance is?
1: Okay. Well, so on the commutation side, all that is is just uh, bringing contractual relationships to an end, and by doing so, by reaching an agreement and passing consideration back and forth. So let's just say for the sake of argument, I reinsure you and you say, for whatever reason you want to be done with your uh, reinsurance relationship with with, with with my company, we would then try to figure out what is the amount at risk here for either you, know, you retaining that exposure and and I would you know, pay you that, my company would pay you that, And you would take those risks back and then just handle them on your own. And commutations come about sometimes because, you know, the parties see that the the contracts have run their course and it's fairly predictable. And why go through spending the time and energy administrating the relationship and billing and collecting and whatever. And they say, hey, look, it's, you know, we agree on a price. Let's, Let's shut this down and let's agree to commute and everybody goes back takes their risk back and goes, goes their own way. Um, Sometimes it arises because there's a, a, a dispute over, over coverage or the way things are calculated, or there's other things that come up. Sometimes the reinsurer wants to stop doing business and they want to commute out all of their business so that they can close down the enterprise or potentially clean out the shell and sell the shell of the business or You know, there's there's just any number of reasons why you would want to do a connotation. But the long and short of it is it is cutting a contract short from its natural expiration, And it's usually done by way of, you know, a mutually agreeable uh, negotiation to come to some finality.
0: Now, is that something you see more often in a typical legacy business or do you see that in active business as well?
1: All right, so uh, legacy business—that the, the landscape keeps changing on what the definition of legacy is, right? Yeah, so, there is that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so that off to the side. Legacy being anything that you're not writing more. So you see it in both places, right? So, in, in, in so you might see in workers' compensation treaties uh, that cover a workers' comp that for for decades a lot of those have had commutation clauses in them. So. Typically, it was a seven-year window, and then the computation clause would kick in. And basically, the idea was that you kind of know what your workers' comp claims are after seven years, and then it's a question of calculating out by actuarial science what the the total risk exposure is. And then instead of just continuing to seed that and pay those claims back and forth between the insurer and the reinsurer, seeding the reinsurer. Come to a, a, an agreement um, based on the numbers and just cut that contract short at that point, and exchange the compensation or the consideration for letting the reinsurer off the contract. And so that continues to happen. And there's there's commutation clauses on an ongoing basis in the legacy market, though. Yeah, you totally see more of the commutation activity,
0: um,
1: essentially because these contracts get really old right so when when the reinsurance contract was written in the 50s 60s 70s 80s into the 90s even the 2000s right they were written on the basis that you know, this is the type of business that would cede to these contracts these are the type of losses that would hit the contracts everybody had certain expectations in that time and that's how the contracts were drafted in terms of the language that's how the contracts were priced in terms of the pricing and whatnot. So over time, you find that hmm, some of these claims don't necessarily fit squarely into the definition, right? Maybe the pricing that was done didn't really contemplate some of the things that came about later on. Laws, case uh, case law comes along, which changes the dynamic and the way the coverage responds and what can be seeded. Uh, and also, the the fortunes of both insurers and reinsurers, cedents and reinsurers, change over time. So there's all sorts of reasons in the legacy market to want to do a commutation. And there's no you know, one size fits all. It's you know, this courses for courses type of situation where you know there may be multiple reasons, single reason, multiple reasons, what have you. And those those things change over time and, and people's perspective of doing a commutation change over time. And so the legacy market, you know, there's a lot more history there. There's a lot more things that come up. Um, and the further you get away from you know, when the business was written and the purpose and the terms and what people's expectations were, you know, the, the, the folks that are on either side of that reinsurance agreement, their, their views change in whether in terms of whether they want to do a commutation or not.
0: Do you find yourself doing um, both the the review of the claims, the um, pricing and whatnot, and the negotiation? Or are you more just uh, kind of pricing it out and looking at it?
1: Um, so it, from a pricing perspective, um, they call it actuarial science. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> two, to swipe at actuaries, I get it. Um, but but here's the thing: the, the actuaries are kind of the cooks, right? Um, we're the we, we're, we're the the folks who, who get the ingredients to the actuary. So, you know, contractual uh, terms, financials, uh, claims data, anything that needs to be considered in with the pricing. You know, we we're the sous chefs. We're the you know, the prep chefs. We get all of that stuff together. The actuaries do the cooking. They come out. Uh, with with the finished product in terms of the pricing and then even afterwards you know there's got to be a presentation there's mm-hmm. got to be the you know the service that goes along with it and so that's you know that's the the, the getting the the proper authorities that's negotiating the terms of the, of a commutation and the, and the ultimate you know final price of the commutation papering it over the terms of the release and so forth so so aside from the pricing, um, we're kind of responsible for either getting all of the other pieces together or uh, managing the team that can bring those other pieces together and so forth. And that, you know, that includes claims, it includes finance, it includes legal, you know, the actuaries and so forth. So there's there's a fair amount of, of work to be done, but the pricing engine kind of sits in, within actuarial. Okay, so
0: You've told us about commutations. Now, what exactly is reinsurance finance?
1: So, reinsurance finance is a very vague term, right? So, <laughs> you know, you could just say finance. You know, there's insurance. That, you know, there's all kinds of finance departments and so forth. Reinsurance finance is is typically dealing with the financial transactions that that arise out of the you know reinsurance activity. So, on the seated side, reinsurance finance typically is tied in with Detecting and noticing the the reinsurers, uh, booking the transactions, assisting with the billing, and when collections come in, booking that, uh, reporting the financials on reinsurance, both seated and assumed to schedule apps and whatnot. So. All of those things, getting attestations for the annual statement and going through and dealing with any, any audit issues, SOX issues, and so forth. So, you know, it it, it, it
0: it's very broad. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's kind of
1: the, the back office of of some of the reinsurance operations outside of plane.
0: Okay. All right, yeah, because that, that is a very broad list of things to yeah, yeah.
1: collateral. <laughs> You know, I mean, (laughs) funds things like that—all the stuff that is like, um, uh, you know, all really necessary, all very important, mind-numbing stuff that needs to get done. But you know, it it is a very—it's a vital part to make sure that in in making the reinsurance process go.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, So we've talked about what you're kind of doing now. Um, How did you? gets to this point um when did your did you start in legacy did you start in other claims no, no, I, did you fall into it
1: yeah so so i think what you're going to find is is that a lot of people kind of fall into it at some point mm-hmm. now i i i was at the i was the lowest of the low i was i was when i came into the in- industry i was a personal lines claims trainee which you know the first couple of weeks working for the company that i that i came into the industry I was getting trained and they actually put us in the mail room to sort mail and files and so forth. And basically it was done so we knew how things operated. And we Mm -hmm. also knew that, you know, the real bosses were the claims processors and those who really made that the whole system work. So uh, from there, I kind of worked my way up in claims, casualty claims, casualty claims supervisor. And I, same time I was taking, uh, you know, various classes. test exams for CPCU, AIC, and I took ARE for associate in reinsurance as well during that time. And so I was moving up and at some point or another, I just, you know, there was an opportunity to jump into reinsurance finance actually. And so I said, Hey, look, you know, that seems like something a little bit different, different career track. And so I figured I'd give it a shot. And when I started in reinsurance finance, I was doing uh, uh, insolvencies, schemes and liquidations. And also some commutation work. And then I just kind of kept you know moving up along that uh path and then got into management on commutations, liquidation schemes, and then went to a legacy uh firm that was buying up portfolios of legacy, and then just recently I've come over to AIG uh, as a senior director of the commutations and the same claims group. So I don't know, it 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 really just it most of the people that you that you find in um, legacy, I think a lot of people will find that there's a fair number of people who, or historically, it has been long tenured people, and essentially, it's people kind of evolved into those roles because they were familiar with the underlying business that was in the um, in play on the reinsurance. And they knew of the complexity of some of the issues and so forth. And so that expertise kind of moved its way into into legacy and into runoff. But then as kind of legacy has continued to evolve and has continued to kind of redefine itself and also capture in that definition of legacy, more recent business that just simply isn't being written anymore or has been put into runoff. You know, it kind of broadens out, you know, the definition of legacy and affords the opportunity, or you know, or the requires more people to come into the, the the legacy and the runoff industry. The need for more uh, folks, uh, younger folks, and to develop them and to know uh, to kind of develop legacy as a career path for people and for young folks, and so that actually that that that's been evolving, you know, um, before it was just kind of one of those things where you, like you said, you kind of fell into it and now you can get your first job in legacy and spend a career in it. So it's a little different.
0: It is. Cause it's funny when, when I, think of legacy and certainly what I came into, it, it's you know asbestos, it's these old pollution claims, things like that. But really, you're right. It could be any number of, of recent events or, or what have you, just something that someone stopped writing. Um, so it, the changing definition, I think, makes it a little hard for people to, to wrap their minds around at this point because you have a very fixed idea of what it is. But yeah, definitely, there are certainly things that you could bring in you know younger people and just train them train them up on it. Um, and then speaking of of younger professionals, any ideas how to get folks involved in uh, the legacy space?
1: that the insurance industry, never mind the legacy industry, you know um, side of insurance and reinsurance, you know has struggled for years to get people in on you know start their career and kind of come into the industry. And I think part of it is it's just bad marketing. We just haven't had the marketing <laughs> yet, really, uh, in a concentrated effort. I mean, if you think about it, insurance it kind of makes the world go round. And I know that sounds a little bit stupid, but, you know, if you don't get insurance, the building doesn't get built. If you don't get insurance, the shipment doesn't pull out of port. You know, um, or the M&A deal doesn't get done or the bond doesn't get issued to build the rec center down across town or what have you so all of these things you know insurance is is pretty dynamic and think about the kind of insurance that's been coming you know the products that have been coming to market i mean cyber just continues to evolve right industries that were that are around now that weren't around 10, 15 years ago, look at all the different things for like rideshare and Airbnb and things like that. And those are things that local insurance products that were in place at the time didn't cover. So as an industry, we continue to evolve. We continue to identify new risks that need to be insured and reinsured. And we come up with products to do that. And that's dynamic. M&A, even in the market, you kids are like, oh yeah, let's go to, you know, some some private equity firm and so forth. Well, private equity is pumping money into, into legacy. So, you know, there's definitely ample opportunity. It's a, it's a dynamic and changing market all the time. And there's big money that is in the industry, both from the large companies that are, are, are out there and that have pretty substantial balance sheets and also startups that are, are getting PE funds, um, And private from and investor funds from from all sorts of places, right? So you can't say that it's not fast moving and fast paced, but nobody really acknowledges that. So we've done a really poor job of kind of marketing that and really putting that forward. Most of the recruitment that that people do on campuses and so forth is for Mm -hmm. your, your mainline companies. Come and be an underwriter, come and be a claims adjuster or something along those lines, right? Or, or maybe if it's in a business school, maybe it's coming to be part of our accounting department and so forth, but it's kind of pigeonholed to certain trade, you know, certain channels of the business. Mm-hmm. But in general, I mean, we could do a, a much better, better job of, of getting out there. And so it kind of rests with each of us as individuals when we're out and about to be representatives and ambassadors of both insurance, reinsurance, and you know, I guess the legacy market in and of itself. So now, the more we, we get out and do that, I think aeroc has been pretty good in terms of younger folks getting involved. You've got St. Joe's, St. John's, other programs right. and so forth of risk management. And to the extent that aeroc and other entities that are dealing with runoff partner with some of those tools and so forth, another opportunity to get, get the word out and, and get some interest for some
0: interest yeah absolutely. And you mentioned Eric, I know you've done a lot with AROC and you're on the education committee. Any initiatives that you're working on there or any any uh, interesting <laughs> programs that you're trying to put together?
1: um well so so a- a- as a co-chair of the of the education committee, I've been doing this for I don't know better part of a decade, might even be more than that. I don't know exactly when I got roped into it, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I have someone to thank for that. You know, it's been challenging over the years at times. you know, Sometimes you have a panel that doesn't need some you know, last minute scratch or you need to coach them up and get them organized and so forth. There's nothing immediate other than right now looking at, at panels for uh, making sure that we're all in place for July for our education days in July the quarterly meeting and also working on October to get that up and running. Carolyn does a great job getting speakers and kind of organizing everything. And the committee does help in making some of the decisions and try to make sure that we have a full day and and topics that we think that the the membership and the sponsors want to hear about. So that's what probably is the thing that we spend probably the most time on is kind of scanning the market, scanning the, the, the industry and beyond to kind of see try to see these things that they might be interesting to our members and so forth. And then we have some pretty deep resources between the companies and the members of Aeroc and also the sponsors of Aeroc. So if there's something that we want to put on, or if there's an interest, if there's an interest in a particular topic, we can generally get some pretty good speakers on some of those matters. And while some of these things that we come up with, the topics don't necessarily hit what you do on a day-to-day basis, some of them are pretty interesting that it broadens your horizons, gives you a little bit of thought towards other things that might potentially impact what you do, or maybe career-wise, you want to broaden your horizons there. And hey, maybe that's a a path that that particular specialization or whatnot. We have actuaries on talking about actuarial science, use the term broadly loosely, but um, (laughs) or or, you know you have something about environmental claims, or you have something about cargo claims, or you have something you know about um, M and A and deals and due diligence and, and other things. So it just gives. People who are members, an opportunity to take a look at other facets of the industry or things that affect us tangentially that don't hit us every day, but something to consider, things to ponder. It's just a way of developing folks out. And at the end of the day, what we do every day, we work on a stack of papers and so forth. And the next person could either find them interesting or they could toss them in the bin. But if you're talking about a legacy, what better legacy can you leave be behind And trying to set up training for folks and helping other people advance their career and their, their span of knowledge? So, you know, working on um, being part of the education committee is, is rewarding. And lastly, if there's something that I have a particular interest in, you know, it's always great to slip that into the, pan- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the panel. And there's been many times, you know, hey, look, you know, I
0: hey, might as don't well.
1: know much about lead paint. Let's get a lead paint panel. Or I don't know about cargo uh, you know, losses and so forth and general and specific average. Let's get a panel together. That, that sounds like a great thing. Hopefully other people enjoy it as well.
0: I think especially educational events that have come out from Iraq in the past couple of years have really brought in my understanding of what legacy could be. Um, like you said, so many interesting topics that I wouldn't normally see. Normally what I get from other places, it's, oh, it's the asbestos or it's pollution again, things like that. But we really do have a variety of things that we can you know learn about, listen about, what have you, or listen to, I guess. Um, so. Yeah, I've, I've I've definitely learned a lot from those events. So thank you for putting those on. It's been a, a great set of um, educational events in the past few years. Any advice for young professionals out there? We've talked about how we really could use better marketing, but how do young people actually get involved? First off, it's just getting
1: a foothold. I mean, anybody who works at an insurance company has the opportunity to, to expand into to do other things. Most companies are, are pretty open to moving people around into other areas of the company in order to expand their knowledge. From the legacy perspective, if you're working for a legacy company uh, or you know, a legacy servicing company, there's always opportunities because there's always another deal, always another Acquisition kind of coming down the pike. You've got to continue to to feed the beast, as you will, and and they're always kind of working. So it's it's dynamic. So really, you get your foot in the door, you get a job in the industry, right? And then it's really a matter of look around, see where you want to go, and see what you want to do, and then kind of work towards that. Use every opportunity that you have on a project to to learn something about uh, about the industry, everybody that you talk to and you work with is somebody who can who's, who's got experience and most people if you show an interest in what they do they're more than willing to share with you although it's not always easy to get what people know out of them right because <laughs> it took that person 30 years to learn all of that stuff and they know it like the back of their hand sometimes it's frustrating to have to go back and try to remember like, why do we do it this way right why why is it this but use the opportunity work with as many people as you can if you if your company offers any kind of training whether it be in-house training or opportunities to go and take college courses MBA CPCU or any of the other classes that are out there through the institutes and whatnot it's, it's a benefit all of those things all those opportunities are a total benefit to you and it's something that's portable right you can take it with you and if you wanted to you could even go to erot and you could get your clip um, designation. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a another plug. opportunity. Right? And, and the price is right for that too. So, like, <laughs> so uh, let's give a plug for the clip. <laughs> yeah. And then pace yourself. I mean, nothing ever comes in, in one day. It's accumulated over time. And there'll be opportunities for, for people who, you know, are, are diligent and bright and show an interest and continue to show intellectual curiosity about things. I can't tell you how much my career was accelerated early on by, you know, pulling extra duty, going on cat duty, carrying a beeper on weekend and taking, you know, AIC and CPCU and ARE and a number of other things. All of those things, you know, it, it showed that I was, a you know, dedicated to the, to the industry, looking to move up and looking to learn. And I can tell you that, you know, I've got some great mentors that I've had over the years that have been wonderful role models and have been more than willing to share their knowledge. And again, for us who have been around for a while, we should be open to giving back and whenever we have an opportunity to and hopefully people
0: are. Thank you so much for dropping by today, Marcus. It was great talking to you and getting your insights. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review to help other people who are interested in insurance or reinsurance careers find our podcast. And with that, I think it's time to cue the music and close this thing out. The Next Gen Task Force is part of AROC, the only U.S.-based nonprofit association focusing on the legacy or runoff sector of the insurance and reinsurance industries. AROC serves the industry by providing education, networking, information, and data. Learn more about what we do at www.aroc.org or contact AROC's Executive Director, Carolyn Fahey, at carolyn at airoc.org. That's A-I-R-R-O-C dot org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.